0: Hello, Texans. Welcome to the show. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you with ND Kalu. We're going to chop it up with ND. That's a new show we're calling Chopping It Up with ND Kalu. How's it going, ND?
1: <laughs> I like that. We'll make some salads and talk football. Yeah. Chop it up. Some <laughs> salads. <laughs> it's funny what you came want. up
0: with salads. I was thinking like chopping
2: wood, but yeah, salad sounds good. I'm hungry right oh, now. Sorry. Oh,
0: geez. Salad sounds good. <laughs> You didn't eat yet. No, oh my gosh! Didn't eat yet. It's dinner time. Well, ND, we have a lot to cover, so let's get right to it. First of all, you are a former teammate of Andre Johnson. What's your reaction to Dre getting into Canton?
1: Thankful, appreciative. I was uh, hooping and hollering when I heard that it was official in my house, and it just goes to show what type of guy Andre Johnson truly is. And I said this. Uh, I said it before. I'll say it again. If he didn't get in, I was going to start to have second thoughts on the hall of fame and the Mm. legitimacy of the hall of fame, because I've been lucky enough, blessed enough to play with hall of famers. And Andre Johnson has had the same, if not more impact than all the guys that I played with who are in the hall of fame.
2: Wow. And along those lines, when you play with a guy like Andre, that is obviously incredible on the football field, but you mentioned it. He's such a great dude too. I'm sure at some point you've played with, players that won all pro honors, pro bowls, maybe went to the hall of fame, Eh, maybe not the greatest guys. They were teammates. So you lived with it, whatever. But I felt like for me, just watching Andre, just knowing the kind of guy Andre is that kind of added to it that, yeah, he's this super player but he's a super dude off the field as well.
1: Super dude off the field, and then you have to take into consideration the position he plays where yeah. those guys are typically divas. Yes, like, totally. Those mm. are the turds yeah. of the NFL <laughs> when you talk about wide receivers yes. and how they act off the field, yep. and he's completely opposite of that. I mean, there there isn't anything you can say that's not deserving in a positive way with Andre, but he's, he's one of the very few great wide receivers who is just so humble, so... Uh, down to earth, he did not have those diva-like qualities.
0: Yep. All right, so offensive guys, defensive guys, but how does a great player on either side of the ball influence players on the other side of the ball? So a great offensive player in your locker room, and you've been with some great ones, how does he influence the defensive side psychologically or however you want to put it?
1: That's it, actions. Yeah, I mean, there have been, during my three years with Andre, there were so many times where he would make a play and not just a touchdown, not just a 50 yard catch, but a high effort play, a physical play as a wide receiver. And as a defender, you're watching that, and you're like, okay, I'm going to go out there and be just as physical as my freaking wide receiver. How many times do you say that (laughs) in a game where the defensive line is, uh, you know, they're encouraged to be more physical because of the play of a wide receiver? I mean, that's the type of player he was and the type of teammate he was.
2: I was listening to David Anderson. He was on with Sean and Seth, and David's a good friend of mine. And David said, you know, you get to a point where, you know, you're in there with Andre Johnson, and you're watching film, and, you know, the coach gets to a point where he's like, well, you know, just do, do, do what Andre does. And David's like, yeah, I don't think we, I don't think we can. And I've seen plenty of coaches uh, over, the, over the years that have shown film of you know, Reggie White or whomever. And just, okay, well, that's what we're going to do today. And you look up and go, well, uh, what? How am I, I going to emulate that out on a field? And I'm sure, Andy, there were probably guys you were around that were probably like that with, that you played with that could do things and you wanted to do them you felt like you could do them, and then you're like, man, maybe that dude is just that special.
1: No, it's funny you bring that up. I remember Bruce Smith, I credit him for teaching me how to watch film the right way. Mm-hmm. And one day we were watching film on the late, great Derek Thomas, <laughs> and his get-off was so ridiculous. Was just, Bruce looked at me and said, well, we can't get off like that. <laughs> so right. we're just watching it for entertainment purposes <laughs> because you can't emulate that. And this yeah. is Bruce Smith, you yeah. know, the uh, arguably the best to ever do it, uh, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. I think he has the most sacks yep. in the NFL. Yep. So, yeah, there are some guys, and for a coach to tell David, I love David <laughs> Anderson, but to tell David <laughs> Anderson, hey, do, do that. what Andre's doing, <laughs> eh, that, that, that might go under the bad coaching category. Yeah, exactly.
0: But to hear Bruce say we can't do that or I can't do that, that – shows some self-awareness for well, a guy who said
1: you can't do that. And he was talking to me now that I'm thinking about it, but well, I can but, do it. Yeah. <laughs> not a can. problem for me. <laughs>
0: All right, not to delve too much into your past here, but let's shift gears. We'll get back to Andre and the Texans situation, but with the Super Bowl just won by the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid now has 3 Super Bowl championships. Didn't get any in Philly, but he went to 5 NFC Championship games, went to 1 Super Bowl, and is Andy different now in your estimation as you observe him? And we can get into the Travis Kelsey getting in his ear video. We don't know exactly what it, what was said, but, man, <laughs> was that something. Uh, but what about Andy today versus Andy when you had him, Andy?
1: You know, there must be something a little bit different. Maybe he's uh, – first of all, he's great. He, he's a mm. great coach, and I hate that we didn't bring him a Super Bowl championship in Philadelphia. So I still feel like he's the same great coach, and now he's getting his due. But there's something that must be different, and I'm going to say it's in a positive way where he's adapting to today's player because I could not imagine any player bumping him the same way Kelsey did on the sideline during the Super Bowl. And because I have so much respect, so much love for a guy like Andy Reid, that really bothered me. Like I I wanted to jump through the TV and and give Kelsey a piece of my mind. Like you don't do Mm -hmm. that to Andy Reid. But maybe, and, and I get the sense, this is one of those deals where if you're on the outside looking in like myself, they might have that type of relationship. Because Andy Reid's also the type of coach to give you a forearm shiver, but you know it's out of love. Yeah. So maybe he has that relationship with Kelsey. Webb. Is that a
0: metaphorical forearm shiver? or is that No,
1: to- like he'll actually, hey, man, get in your rush lane and give you that forearm oh, to, wow. the, yeah, to the bicep. But you know, oh, that's Andy being Andy. Because he's the same guy mm-hmm. who's going to put his arm around you uh, at the end of the game and say, hey, that's the way to turn it up. Yeah, yeah, you
2: know who found that uh, that little interaction to be, um, in her words, creepy? Or, well, my wife texted me and said, by the way, Travis Kelsey's a creep. And I was like, what? Creep? Yeah, and I thought, okay, the whole you know Taylor Swift thing, that's where yeah. I thought this was going. <laughs> yeah, and She goes, did you see him run into the coach? And I just mm. went, mm. Mm. of course, you know, I've been a coach, so, you know um i i understand her thoughts goes, that just shouldn't happen and i try to explain it kind of the same way and you're like yeah maybe they've got the relationship and it also felt like you know a parent we've all been parents in a situation where your kid does something you're out in public you're like i can't deal with this right now we'll deal with this later let's right. just keep right. going we'll deal with this later
1: and then behind closed doors then okay don't you ever right exactly yeah. and maybe that's what happened i'm glad you brought that up because credit andy Reid for being a great coach right. because if he would exactly. have reacted the way i think he could have and should have reacted mm-hmm. then the whole story would right. have been about that incident the rest of the team might have uh, lost focus but for him not to say anything at that time it, it just goes to show his awareness and understanding what it means to be a great coach Andy, tying the two coaches together from the super bowl when you were in philadelphia and obviously
2: you had good teams you want to uh, championship games for I don't know how many years in a row it ended up being, but you're in championship games over and over and over again. You finally get to a Super Bowl, but can't get to the, the championship. Is there burden that the players feel because they want it so badly for Andy Reid? Did you guys kind of sense that? And I ask that because now you got San Francisco sitting there. Everybody knows Kyle Shanahan's been to three Super Bowls. He's gone in overtime into two of them do they start pressing and does it become more difficult? Do they carry a burden because they can't get a championship for Kyle Shanahan. Did you guys sense that in Philadelphia when
1: y'all were going through that? Yeah, at the time when you're in it, you you definitely feel it, the extra pressure. But at the time, it's not like, let's win this for Andy. Right. It's more, we want a Super Bowl. Like sure. we, We've yeah. come this far. Oh, we're so close. We love the coaching staff. So there wasn't that much, uh, despite what everyone believes with the T.O. situation, there wasn't that much drama in the locker room. Right. So at the time, it was more we just we want it selfishly for ourselves. Sure. But as I've stepped away and started living life away from football, I was I, I would think to myself, man, I wish we got one for Andy, but now he's sitting on three. Yeah, so exactly. yeah. you know he's okay now. Well I heard, was it mad dog Russo rating his
0: best coaches and he didn't put Gibbs in the category of Andy Reid, and I thought, all right, uh, now it's on now. I could go on all day, because to me, Joe Gibbs, you win three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks and different teams. I know free agency hadn't come in to the flow yet that much. So he had some of the same hogs, the guys, the offensive linemen throughout those three Super Bowls. But to win three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks, when the 49ers are in the heyday of their dynasty run, when the Cowboys are on the rise and really making a lot of noise, when the Giants have won two and you win three, to me, you're one of the best coaches ever. And he didn't include him. And I think it's recency bias because I think Reed is an excellent coach. There's no doubt. And I always thought he was really good in Philly, but now he's just taking it to another level. And he joined the Chiefs in 2013 and immediately started to get dividends paid there with Alex Smith when he got him and the thing took off obviously to another level with Patrick Mahomes. So, uh well, there's Gibbs, a lot of he place. he
1: with a backup quarterback too if I'm not mistaken. Doug Williams was a backup. Yeah. The, yeah. The the yeah. Yeah. Wanted, so yeah.
0: And Mark Rippin is not going to make anybody's best quarterbacks right. of all time list. No, you have right? to give Gibbs his due. Yeah. I mean, none of those guys, I think Williams is probably the best quarterback he ever had as it turned out joe Theismann was a really good quarterback but i could talk about this stuff for hours you know and parcells winning it with uh hostetler once and then you look at the rest of the coaches who have won two or more but reed certainly has a place in the Absolutely. upper echelon there's no okay. doubt about that okay you got to go
2: win one game mm-hmm. one game the grandest mm-hmm. super bowl of them all you got to win
0: one game what coach and coaching staff are you taking that's a good one. I, I might take Gibbs. I might take Gibbs. If I can go any era right now, I might trust him the most. Now, a lot of people might say Belichick, but mm-hmm. we could have a Belichick debate all day. I don't know if it's going to be Andy Reid. Uh, I don't think it is for me. I I'm think thinking in a one game situation, here.
2: I'd take Belichick. In a one-game one situation, situation, I'm taking Belichick I'll, I'll because trust- I feel like he's going to find a way to win Whatever game develops out of what we're seeing, nine he'll win it. 38, 37, he'll win
0: it. I'm taking Belichick. I would trust him to stop the opponent, put it that way. Hell, that's to true. slow down the
1: opponent, I would certainly stop him,
0: unless Eli Manning's playing for the
1: opponent. Maybe because I'm biased because I read his book and I really appreciate uh, the genius behind his thoughts. I'm thinking Bill Walsh. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, yeah. the, the, the father of the West Coast. You just wonder what adjustments he's going to make. Now you can say cuz he has success and i can't believe i'm forgetting the cincinnati quarterbacks name that he coached but Ken Anderson when he was with it, the Bengals yeah cuz i was going to say well obviously the thought is well he had Joe Montana can't be that hard right. but he had some success with some lesser known good, mm-hmm. good when he right? was I mean, the OC Martin, good there pool with uh, Anderson yeah
0: and then he coached against him in the super bowl Joe Montana versus Anderson that was something right and, right. yeah, a lot the of first, people forget Bill Walsh worked for yeah. Paul Brown in Cincinnati, and mm-hmm. that uh, whole Bill Walsh thing kind of comes from Paul Brown is one of the great coaches ever, but it's you know, ancient history. Okay, yeah.
1: same question. Yeah, quarterback. One game.
0: Well, it's yeah, recency bias, but – Brock Osweiler.
2: <laughs> nah, I, mean,
0: I joke. I kid. TJ. For one day, <laughs> TJ's going to get it done, baby. I mean, I it's it's so hard to think that – brady
2: in his offense with his guys that you could you could stop them but teams did in the super bowl um i mean mahomes has been stopped in the super bowl by the buccaneers Mm. and and those are the first two that come to mind but they're so montana did not lose but he didn't always
0: get there you know you got to give brady credit for getting there he only played in 10 so (laughs) yeah only 10 super bowl appearances well I think it's funny, Andy, because a lot there a lot of debate yesterday about, you know, the day after the Super Bowl, and is Mahomes now the all-time greatest quarterback, even though he doesn't have as many Super Bowls as Brady because he's so much more talented than Brady? Or however, they were wording it, they meaning the pundits. To me, you got to wait. You got to wait another ten years, see how many Mahomes gets. My point is if Mahomes retires today, where are you going to rate him? Well, no, no, he's he's not. He's got to play more. Well, he's got to play more. So let, let's let him play more and see what he does. I'm not denying that he can take off and continue to go on this tremendous run he's been on. Without Andy Reid, we'll see. But Andy Reid's not going to go on forever. But uh, I think it's just a little too early to crown him the greatest of all time.
1: Here's the thing. And this isn't hating on Mahomes because I think he's the best quarterback in the game right now. But the numbers and the history is gonna tell us that he won't reach Tom Brady's status as far as success. Like, like if I'm betting, yeah. as great as he is, this right. is still the ultimate team sport, I'm not betting that anybody's going to 10 Super Bowls. You, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not betting that anybody's gonna win. You know, maybe 15 years from now, God willing, we're still walking this earth. You know, we go back and say, hey, remember when you said Patrick Mahomes isn't gonna do it, and he did it? But if you just look at the numbers, the history, the the uh, the the stats I don't think you can say anybody's gonna is gonna catch Tom Brady in our lifetime. I'm that,
2: I'm to answer your question I'm
0: going Brady. Who would you go with? To answer Brady, your question. Brady, I would go Brady. I go yeah. Brady.
1: I'd probably go Brady it.
0: too. Really? Why not? Interesting. Why not? Or you Mahomes. Have such sports hate for I mean, Brady. I'll go recency okay. there. Uh, I said to people last week, you know, who do you want in the Super Bowl? I want the 49ers, but I'm never going to pick against the Chiefs. I'm not making that mistake again.
2: Not to this this degree. After
0: what they did to (laughs) Buffalo on the road, after what they did to the Ravens on the road, I just felt like they're going to make the plays they need to make at the end of the game to win the game. That's what it is. Yeah. So he has
1: three rings now? Mahomes. Yeah. And how many does the Brady have? Seven?
0: Seven. Yeah, only seven.
2: How about the fact? I told this this to Mark. Indy, I've been on the sidelines 10 years, so starting in 2014. Ten Ten seasons seven have ended with a Super Bowl
0: for Mahomes or Brady. Seven yeah. of the ten. They've won seven have, of the last wow. ten. Yeah, wow. they've won
2: seven of the last ten, Brady yes. and Mahomes. Yeah,
0: and they played each other in one of them.
2: Eight out of ten has been a Brady and or a Mahomes in the game. Only two of the ten have not included one of those two guys. That's, that's un. That's unbelievable. I mean, the era that we grew up, it seemed like every year it was yep. a different team and a different quarterback, and then really sudden- though,
0: I mean, because you had Montana playing in four and winning four. You had Elway playing in three in the eighties, yeah. and losing well, all three. Then he won two in the nineties. Then you had uh, the Cowboys. We talked about Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we talked well, the Cowboys early nineties. Yeah. I think we had a lot of bad games. All right, Super Bowl used to. Dink. I remember when we had that really good one between the Niners and the Bengals where Esiason Mm -hmm. was starting for the Bengals, uh, but Montana leads them downfield, hits John Taylor for the game-winner, 87, 88. 88. 88. So that one... Yeah, because 87 was Washington. Mm -hmm. But that one was a revelation because it was such a good Super Bowl in an era where we weren't getting great games. Now it feels like we get a great game every year. You know, last year was not as good. It was close, but they were killing the clock at the end, trying to kick a last-second field goal and just run it out and and win it. But it was a a high-scoring game that just came to a screeching halt in a way. This year's game low-scoring game that really kind of not erupted but got going momentum-wise late with the field goals and man oh man the audience was superb for this super bowl and the taylor swift thing just worked wonders wonders for cbs what
2: were the numbers 120 120 million yeah 120 million viewers yeah
0: how about that that's that's a lot of people. I
2: mean that that
0: now that only includes is that domestic or worldwide. I w- I wonder how many. I, I think it's domestic. I wonder how many tuned in because not only because of Swift but Taylor tipped the scales to them yeah, yeah, watching. How yeah. many thirteen year olds would not be watching necessarily, right. but they decided you know I'm going to check it out because I know she's up there. Yeah. and they're seeing all the social media of her being there right. because her entrance, her arrival went viral and that adds more eyeballs to the eventual game oh i want to see what she's doing at the super bowl they could have had taylor cam on a separate network and gotten 10 million viewers
1: i know she's a powerful figure but are we putting too much into it as far as viewership because when i think of that 13 14 15 year old young lady who's Mm -hmm. watching because of taylor swift Mm -hmm. part of me believes her dad's already watching anyway so yeah, but she might them? be
0: watching on another screen. How oh, about this one? Oh, you get one? credit for that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. it was for a household. Well, yeah. it's you get households, but you also get number of viewers, right? So if, and again, I don't know how they measure all right. this, but my kid, for instance, my 11-year-old, watched the Nickelodeon broadcast in another room. Mm. Well, they'll get credit for that, not our view, but in a house that's measured or monitored by Nielsen, they'll get credit for that screen being on Nickelodeon. So that number is significant to the research to determine how much future Nickelodeon stuff do you want to do? Because I think it's good for the little kids. Liked the, it.
2: We, we, we talked about this a little bit, and I feel like there, were, there was some controversy that obviously comes out of every Super Bowl, seemingly especially if it's close. This one was the whole overtime rules uh, at the end. San Francisco players are like, no, we didn't really know the rules, et cetera. People are making kind of a big deal about that. Mm-hmm. How'd you kind of look at the way that and kind of the, the Shanahan taking the ball as opposed to letting Mahomes have it first? Did you find kind of much in, in that? Was there was there any I don't know, controversy maybe not the right word, but how did you kind of look at the end, the overtime situation for 49ers with Shanahan, et cetera?
1: Maybe I'm just overly pleased. I thought that was a great ending. The way the overtime worked out. I yeah, love yeah. the fact that both teams actually had an opportunity to uh, get a chance to actually score a touchdown to win it. Mm-hmm. I didn't. And, and again, I was watching it more as a fan. I yeah. wasn't watching it uh, in the mindset of, okay, what would I do? Right. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think anything of it. Like, after the coin toss, I mean, I, I loved seeing Warner and uh, Patrick Mahomes coming out there for the coin toss, fist bump. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if y'all heard Mahomes saying, man, this is a great game. Like, I I got yeah. in, into that. I wasn't yeah. really thinking about the strategy involved because i don't feel like there's any right or wrong answer if you win the toss going into overtime like right. i get the thought of man let my defense rest or let my offense right, rest. right, right. right. or find out what
0: they're going to do first exactly
1: right. Right. let's put the pressure on them to either go for the field goal or go for the touchdown then when our offense is out there we know what we have to do so right. yeah i i personally didn't think uh that Shanahan or any of the coaches made a mistake with the decisions in the in the overtime.
2: This I, I read somebody's I can't remember who wrote this, but this made the most sense. The fact that there is, quote unquote, controversy about the overtime rules tells you that you better find a consistent way to run overtime in the NFL.
0: So, so what is it season
2: and playoffs? Uh, I, I figure agree. out a system for make the, it uniform
0: for everybody, uniform across the board for every game. The fact that you have a different rule for the postseason kind of stinks here. Yes, so let's exactly. just make it so each team gets a possession and call it a day, right? Should we just do it at this point? Now you know how I feel, Johnny and mm-hmm. ND. I don't know if this is popular. In fact, I know this is not popular. I'm old school. Hey, you played 60 minutes of football. You guys can't settle this. We are going to flip the coin, and it's sudden death. Yeah. Deal with it. Play defense if you lose the coin toss. Oh, but we get, we don't get the ball. You had the ball. <laughs> Wait, you had 60 minutes of possibly having the ball and now you want it again no now we're going to flip a coin this incentivizes teams to win in regulation too many teams play for overtime don't play for overtime if you're scared of overtime win in regulation but I'm not going to win that battle. There's no but what's way. what's wrong
1: with the way they did it? I actually thought that's the best
2: way to do it. I so. don't mind them doing it that way. I just wish they would be uniform with it. You know, like do right. that in the regular because season. Because in the regular
0: season, if right. you get a touchdown on the first possession, so, it's over. Right. If you get a field goal, you play on to the next, uh, you know, whoever yeah, has more I points. Have
2: a problem. I, I like the way, I actually like the way
0: they did it um, in the playoffs. Right. So well, if, if we're going to do it this way, fine. each team gets a possession, but... I don't like the 10 minute period. To me, every time we're in an overtime game or somebody's in an overtime game that I'm watching, that clock is like tick, 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 tick. It's the regular a factor. Season? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because now we're looking at a time. Why and not? nobody wants that. How about this? If you're gonna make it a ten minute period and still tied. We're going to the two yard line. We're going <laughs> to the two yard line, and we're going for two. We're just going two point conversions until the day is over. That's why I've said when you're down fourteen in the fourth quarter, you go for two because
2: you go to win the game in regulation, like Vrabel.
1: Yes, I'll say this for the regular. First of all, let me just put it out there. I like the way they did it in the Super Bowl. So yes. if mm-hmm. they're going to make it uniform, too- but I believe there was some network. Uh, issues there with how long the game can last. That's why they have to get what? over. For a regular season. Oh, for like They don't like want it to go part on Part of the network uh, made a decision there. Yeah,
0: and I, and I think that it's also, yeah. when you play an overtime game, that's another quarter of football. Yeah. It's yeah. a 15-minute period, obviously. But even a 10-minute period, that's a big chunk of action there that you weren't expecting. What if you have a Thursday night game? What if, whatever, mm. you get tired, somebody gets hurt? I get it. Uh, you could argue, should you go right to the two-yard line after 60 minutes of regulation? That might be a little severe, a little extreme. Uh, but again, that would incentivize you to win it in regulation. It certainly would. I think this would,
1: would be cool if they had it the way they have it in the regular season, and if it ends, in and I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm typically not for kickers and punters, but if it ends in a, 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 tie? a tie after the first overtime. Kicking you, contest? Kicking call, You just go to kick Ooh, But you, you go can't to use your kickers. <laughs> Get of good baller. You <laughs> yes. your kickers. You have to go to a position
2: player to kick. It's right. Similar to that soccer. Be, I, yes. I, I, be, yeah. Like penalty kicks would be yeah. it'd be awesome. Except no kickers. All
0: right. Kickers coming up on us. the unofficially named Chop It Up with ND show, <laughs> we will chop it up about the Houston Texans' off-season possibilities and plans. Coming up, it's Texans Radio. And we continue with the program. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris, and Andy Kalou in studio with us. So let's talk. We talked a bunch about the Super Bowl, about Andre Johnson going to Canton. I can't wait. And I'm wondering if the Texans are going to get that game, the Hall of Fame game. That would make it, if they get it, Andy, that's four preseason games. I have no idea who would play in that first preseason game. (laughs) But I don't care. It'd be fun to be there. It would be the anniversary what is it, 23 years later from the Texans? Well, 22 years, but yeah, 22 the 23rd years. season yeah. of Texans mm-hmm. football, 22 years before the Texans played in the Hall of Fame game in 2002 against the New York Giants, first game action of any kind that the franchise experienced. But what would it be like to be in that game? Now, we wouldn't get to broadcast it. I know you're the color commentator on Texans TV for the preseason, but that's going to be a national game, so we won't get
1: that game. I'm already making my trip when, you, know. when you're Sorry. bringing this up. Sorry. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> we'll bring
0: you anyway. Yeah. We got to watch Dre get in.
1: Exactly. That, that, that would be, obviously, the game won't be that exciting, but just the uh, pageantry surrounding that game, the NFL has to do that. To have the first Houston Texan ever going mm-hmm. into the Hall of Fame, you have to put the Texans in the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, you, you, I think so,
2: too. That, that I tweeted out and said, let's do it. Bears, Texans. Bears had three representatives. Yep. Uh, Mongo got in. And then uh, Devin, Devin Hester, Hester and Julius Peppers yep. got in. So they get three of the seven. They got to be there. It's a short drive. I'm What well, I'm curious about, the more people that I've heard speak about it heard write about it, whatever the case might be, it feels like there's going to be a contingency from Houston going up there that is going to be massive. Yes. That is gonna be massive. And that is gonna be really, really cool. And I mean, I hope they don't lose that verve down the road when hopefully CJ goes into the Hall of Fame, you know, twenty-five years from now, or whatever it's gonna be. But for the first one, I mean Yeah.
0: Well, and then Watt Watt will bring a crowd too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And those are gonna be the
0: first two. Then it's gonna be a while. Probably (laughs) we're gonna wait a little bit. Probably, yeah. Although, although, you know, it's funny because this was going around last week as well would hop get in if hop has a couple of extra good seasons extra meaning beyond this so can i tell you what he told me what did he tell you he's got five years planned he five says he's got years. five
2: years left in his career
0: well he told looked, me that point blank he's like man i gotta play five more years i, I was like i'm not gonna okay. doubt him no i'm not either i just wish he was playing somewhere else yeah, I know. like either <laughs> here or not in the division yeah not in the afc like Go to the nfc well i was gonna say nfc north but then we'd play them again this year i i would love to see him get in and i think the texans could celebrate that as well at the time mm-hmm. and i think that when i look at andre johnson and deandre hopkins what always fascinated me was that one passed the baton to the other they're both awesome but they're so different in their play style mm-hmm. it's like art The way Andre Johnson plays versus DeAndre Hopkins. It doesn't even look like it's the same position. Oh, that guy's a wide receiver and that guy's something else. I don't know. Hopkins is just Mr. Spider-Man, sideline catch extraordinaire. Mm. The way he moves his body, everything. Versus Andre Johnson, (laughs) robo-receiver. There's just... A lot to compare there, but I love it that they're both so good in the history of this franchise. With
1: Andre, I've always said, picture a linebacker playing wide receiver but being one of the best to ever do it with his physicality, his strength, his size. Uh, But you're absolutely right. Such different styles, but the production is through the roof. Yeah. When a guy gets into the Hall of Fame, N D, when a teammate of yours has gotten into the Hall of Fame, what's that like for
2: the guys that played with them? Maybe not for a year, you know, guys maybe that have been together. You know, what's what's it kind of like for a player to see, you know, his teammate, his good friend go into the hall of fame? I mean, is that I was just listening to David Anderson talk about that the other day, and he I could tell he was kind of going through that moment of this is like one of the coolest things, and yet it's sort of surreal. This guy that I know this well, he's my great friend. He's going in the hall of fame. What's that like for a player to kind of see his guy or his
1: teammate going to Hall of Fame? I mean, it's special, especially when the guy is as special off the field as Andre. You know, like we talked about in the first segment because I've known some guys that have gone into the Hall of Fame. I played with him. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Good right. for him. Right. But with Andre, and also the unknown, because there's still that thought like, ah, oh, they might might not give it to him even though he's deserving. Right. So mm-hmm. it made it that much more special. Like I played with another great person off the field and great player, Brian Dawkins, yeah, but yeah. you just knew. You, yeah. you know, you knew yeah. in five yeah. years he's going to the Hall of Fame. So you, you were already celebrating it when he announced his retirement. Andre, in my opinion, should have gone in right away, but because they didn't, then you hear these rumors, oh, he didn't have 10 touchdowns in the seat, you know, all this stupid uh, looking at the stats and not looking at the film. So you were just like, okay, I hope they don't screw him over. So, you know what I'm saying? It's a little bit different feeling. If I didn't play with J.J. Watt, which I did because just another great player, but you're not going to – I don't think anybody's going to be high-fiving when J.J. Uh, gets that knock on the door because it's expected. Right, right, right. Like, J.J. Right, yeah. probably going to have the door open. Like, oh, yeah, I was, ex- <laughs> I was expecting you guys. I, I have some finger food for you all. So
0: What took you so long? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I, I remember it was uh, – I can't remember. I think it was maybe Peter King who wrote the article. But the year that Peyton Manning was going in, so I guess that was 2020 or so, and they, whoever was in the room writing the article, whoever it was – timed and this, this is a time where it was unlimited amount of time that you had to present i guess now john said the other night to us they only had five minutes to present this is unlimited so he wrote down all the different times of all the players that were being uh, presented mm. some i think to was like 25 minutes or something like that bob kravitz from indianapolis stood up and said i'm here to represent <laughs> peyton manning of the indianapolis colts and the denver broncos and he sat down It's <laughs> it it. like 45 seconds yeah. and that was, that was that. it. Yeah. It's like, you yeah, he know, he's going in, it's, you know, let's move on. We got time to spend on others. And that was kind of what he said afterwards. He's like, we have so much time to talk about other guys. We know Peyton's getting in. Let's just, let's just go. I, it, I died laughing when I saw that. I was like That's 45 awesome. seconds. You know, he's going in. <laughs> to your point. You know, he's going in. There's nothing to argue about, nothing
0: to discuss. Let's move on to other stuff. I wanted to ask the general about Antonio Gates. I couldn't believe he didn't get in. Yeah. I thought he's a first ballot guy. Yeah. When you look at him in receptions for tight ends mm-hmm. and how dominant he was, how productive he was, anyway, we can get into that. And with... never played a day of college football. Yeah, college basketball player. College basketball player, Kent State. Those are the guys that always,
2: not so much frustrate me, Andy, but they didn't play like I'm, I'm going through my you know, doing my, my draft database, and I'm looking through bios and things, and I'm seeing guys that – there's a kid of Texas. Name's Christian Jones. is a tackle. He did play high school football until he was a junior in high school. Wow. And now this dude is, like, one of the best tackles in the country. He plays at the University of Texas. He gets a scholarship, and I'm like, man, I was doing all I could to play every single sport. He's got to play football till his junior year. Those people absolutely – not frustrate me, but I'm, I'm like, amazed – and Antonio Gates was like that. He walks right in the league and becomes one of the greatest tight ends of all time, and never played a day at college football. Oh, it's frustrating.
1: Like a guy <laughs> like myself who played since junior high. You're right. And mm-hmm. even as much as uh, I-, I like my guy Chester Pitts, I hate his story because oh, yeah. I- I've been busting my tail <laughs> since I was 12 years old. And then you, you go to San Diego stayed on an academic scholarship, yeah. and you think, eh, let me just try this football thing. Then you get drafted in the second or third round, right. and I was busting my tail to go in the fifth <laughs> round. Uh, yeah, no, you can say frustrated. Oh, yeah. I agree <laughs> with that. Second good.
0: round, the grocery bagging yeah. story with yeah. Kyle <laughs> Turley and Ephraim Salam. the oboe stuff, Super Bowl commercial. was. I mean, just a great story, Chester and Pitts. And I just
1: get drafted high but have a great career right <laughs> in after, the yeah, NFL. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, really, really great career during a time. And he's one of those players, too. And you mentioned David Anderson. I think any teammate of Andre can share in that glory. We talked about it a bit. I mentioned you know, Andre Ware with the 1989 Heisman season, mm-hmm. how all the teammates feel like it's their Heisman as right. well. And Andre loves that, that they all feel like it's their award, that they were all in it together. And I think that's great. All right, I promise we'd chop it up about the Texans here. Offseason plans, so much to do, Andy. So many free agents. And this has got to be really tough for Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans to sift through and decide What's important? Who's important? How much? How many? There's so many different questions. You've got Dalton Schultz and Devin Singletary and Sheldon Rankins and all these players who meant so much to this team in 2023. And some tough decisions are going to be made on both
1: sides, team and players alike. This is a time where it's going to be tough for the decision makers and you absolutely have to check your emotions at the door because this was such a magical season. This is why I could never be a GM because – and I won't say any names, but there are guys who played great, but you're probably going to try to replace them. But because I'm so uh, emotionally vested and appreciative Mm -hmm. of what they did this year, I'll be like, oh, yeah – Khalil Davis, five years, 50 million, you know, <laughs> you're my guy. And yeah. then somebody's going to have to knock on my office and be like, hey, we don't have that much money to spend. <laughs> so this is going to be tough. But Nick Casario, he just comes off as a guy that understands he's going to have to separate emotion from what needs to be done for the betterment of the team. So it feels like he's the right guy for this type of offseason. But it's going to be tough. Like, in my, in my opinion, I think, okay, you have to get another or a lights-out wide receiver. And the thought is, well, Nico Collins is coming off a great season. Like, yeah, he is. But I still need that Mike Evans, anybody? Uh, Mike Evans, if he's a free agent. Uh, the linebackers, I thought they played over and beyond uh, what I expected. But mm-hmm. now in the offseason, I'm going after the best available linebacker, which is tough because you're so appreciative of what you saw from that group this season.
2: When D'Amico stood up in the at the his, I guess that was his final press conference, I think, and was asked about, this 2024 and beyond there were two things that he he talked about get your thoughts on each one one the running game he didn't say running backs or the offensive line he said the running game and they said the second one was a defensive line and there are some free agents in both of those categories the draft at the running back position is not tremendous defensive line it's pretty. It's pretty deep, and you can you know you know how the defensive line works. You know there can be a guy that's two ninety five. He can play four or five spots up and up and down the defensive line, whereas a running back is probably going to play running back. But those are the two that he kind of pointed out: the running game and the defensive line. What would be your thoughts on like where would you kind of rank those
1: priority wise heading into twenty twenty four? You know. It, it, To me, the easy answer is the obvious answer here, and it's the running game. Whether it's running back and or uh, beefing up your interior blocking to make sure you're having those gaps between the A-gap and the C-gap. But the running game has to improve, and in football you improve by bringing in better players. So to me, that should be the priority. When I think of the defensive line, I think they had a good season, in my opinion. So it's a thought to re-sign the guys who are coming and they have expiring contracts or to bring in better players. But – also, it's not just – because you only have so many first-round picks. You only have second, so many second-round huh. picks. That's where my scouting department – that's where I say, hey, Gabe Hall from Baylor. You right. know what? He had a great yes. senior bowl week. You know, let, let's see if he's worthy of a third-round pick and not just bring him in, but let's coach him up to be right. that dominant presence. He has the same body style as a Chris Jones. Am I saying he'll be Chris Jones? Absolutely not. But let's get the most out of him. So – it's not just finding the talent, but to me, it's finding those guys in the third, fourth, fifth round that outplay their draft position. Well, I think I could have forced
2: Buckner. That was that was my comp, Gabe oh, Hall. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot about the Baylor connection yeah. there,
0: Gabe Hall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that could apply. See, when you're on the field because you you have a family interest in Baylor, <laughs> you know, you've got the scouting eyes, right? right? right. You know, yeah. we got to get you down there to so all the college games <laughs> and the Senior Bowl, all of it. Andy Kalu helping out the scouting department. But that kind of feeling logic can be applied to a lot of different positions because I look at wide receiver and, you know, everybody's talking about Mike Evans or, you know, what can we move up and get Marvin Harrison, Jr. Whatever the, <laughs> whatever the desire is by people talking about this stuff. And I think, look, let Nick cook, let D'Amico cook, let them figure it out here because they might have some plans that we're not even thinking about here. There might be a guy out there third or fourth round that could turn into something. Uh look, Tank Dell turns into this amazing player in his rookie year. And, you know, I've seen Tank in the building a lot here. Yep. Looks, Dr. Vandermeer says he's coming along just fine. So let's let's see what they can do here. The draft, or maybe there's a free agent we're not thinking about. Maybe they need the money in other areas. I don't know. I mean, I feel like, does Nico get paid this year? I'm not sure he's going into his last year, so they've got a lot to think about. All right, I've got some other things to think about. Next segment, I want to get into more of this and also C.J. Stroud, what are the expectations for year two? It's Texans All Access. All right, final segment here on the program tonight with N.D. Kalu in studio. We're just flying along here, man. We could just sit here for hours and talk about all the Texan stuff and all the stuff around the league. And I could get real estate advice from N.D., (laughs) investment advice. That would be good, too. But that's probably for another show, another day, N.D., Anyway, how's business going? Tell it's us. Good. It's yeah. good.
1: You know, they say if you're busy, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. We're very busy.
0: Busy is good. Yes. Yes. I like it. Very nice. Uh, tell me, C.J. Stroud, gentlemen, year two. Here he is. He's having the great offseason offensive rookie of the year being celebrated. Andy, for a young player. Everybody's got to improve. Everybody's got their things that their list their to-do list on things they want to get better at what are you thinking here for cj stroud and how he's going to approach it it seems like he's got the right attitude the right mindset going into his so-called sophomore season in the league
1: i'm gonna answer your question with a question to Mm y'all is it bad that i just want him to be the same guy he was this past year No, that would be a hell of a player. (laughs) But, you know, and I I don't keep my uh, expectations low because I think he'll be great. But I've seen, being a former Philadelphia Eagle, the Carson Wentz where Mm -hmm. one year is like, oh, he's an MVP. And then four years down the line, we're wondering, hey, John, is he still in the league? You know, I've seen the Deshaun Watson where, oh, he's a face of the franchise to where he's an untouchable. Mm -hmm. So if C.J. Stroud on and off the field could be the same guy he was this year and you continue to build around him, what else could you ask for? You know, and and that's point. not – obviously you want to improve every year. If you're not improving, then it's time to stop all those cliches. But give, give me the same guy I had this year consistently for the next 8, 9, 10 years, and the Texans are going to be fine.
2: I think what's been fascinating, and Mark and I have talked about this, ND, is the fact that every time that C.J. did something for the first time, the second time was exponentially better. Mm. First-week OTAs, second-week OTAs. Uh, first day of training camp, first week of training camp, second week of training camp, first preseason game, second preseason game, first game of the year, second game of the year. I kind of feel like if we follow that season one to season two that he will make some of those he will make some of those adjustments. Going back to our conversation about free agents, when you have free agents and you know this team has had a significant number of them, but the ones that chose to come here. They weren't coming here because of C.J. Stroud. That hadn't even taken place yet. But now you've got free agents that are out there. Are they looking at this as a possible destination because C.J. is here? Is that something that free agents? Now, I know they want the bag first and foremost, and that pretty much takes precedence at all times. But when they think about, okay, I can get the bag and I can play with C.J. Stroud. Or I get the bag, I can go out to Los Angeles. I can live in Los Angeles. That's where I want to be. Does that matter for free agents? Would C.J. Stroud – does C.J. Stroud kind of move the meter for a Mike Evans potentially or a wide receiver that's looking to leave, looking for a new contract? Does that matter to – not even wide receivers, defensive linemen. Does it matter to them knowing he's here, I got a chance to
1: win? 100%. Especially because you acknowledge about getting the bag, about getting paid. Right. Because that's first and foremost, whether we like it or not. But the thought of whether you're a defensive lineman, offensive lineman – wide receiver, the thought of, oh, that's the leader of the team. You know, I get the money, and I'm playing with this C.J. Stroud. I'm playing for D'Amico Ryans. I have a chance. Like, like now the Houston Texans, in just one year, you could convince yourself as a free agent that you're going somewhere that has a chance to be a contender, where this year, let's be real. Uh, I mean, guys were coming here to prove themselves and hopefully get longer contracts somewhere else. Now you're coming thinking – I, I, I can be the piece that this team's missing to truly be a contender. Yep. And it's not just Stroud, obviously, that did that. It's right. everything,
0: right? And playing for D'Amico Ryans and the culture and all, that means something,
1: right? Playing for D'Amico, the culture that he's setting, the uh, respect that he has around the league, the, the, from the ownership. I mean, mm-hmm. you got the freaking owner throwing up the H with Bum B. In. You know, like, yeah. that's fun. Like, if yeah. I'm a young player and I'm seeing the owner of the the Houston Texans is a guy that's uh, embracing the culture of this generation mm-hmm. of the youngsters, then that's also somebody I wouldn't mind playing for. So all the way from the top, if if I was a free agent right now and I had my pick, I'm definitely looking at Houston and thinking – it's going to be tough for another organization to pull me away, if the money's the same, to pull me away from the Texans. Because if the
0: th- money is the same, then you don't have to worry about state income Absolutely. tax. Absolutely. Well, well, let me ask, yeah, that, because you're a businessman and you're well aware of that, how much awareness is there of that kind of thing? Florida, Texas, states, what, Nevada too maybe, but there's no NFL team. Well, actually, there is Wait. an NFL team yeah. now. <laughs> I, boy, I just keep forgetting. <laughs> it's hard. Well, I just think of Vegas. They did a great it, job with it? the Super Bowl.
2: At least it seemed that way. I haven't heard any, like, nefarious. Started in Indianapolis. Yeah. yeah.
0: Don't, why you got to bring up Indianapolis? Indianapolis, Vegas. Same thing. Indianapolis, same. the Vegas of the Midwest. Right. Indianapolis thing. is the Vegas of Indiana. I mean, that's about as close as you're going to get. Yeah. Anyway, what about the no state income tax aspect of luring free agents, Andy? How attractive?
1: It's attractive, but it also depends on... Who you're talking to, and you you know you have some guys, some players who are all about branding themselves. So Los Angeles, New York may yeah. be more desirable, and they're not thinking about the taxes. And, and let's be real: if you're making a million, well, look today's age. A&H, let me be a little more realistic. A if you're million. making five, <laughs> ten million a year, yeah. as a youngster, you're not really thinking about the taxes because right. you're going to live the same lifestyle. I'm not saying that's smart, but that's just the reality of it. It's a big deal. And, well, it, it is, and then you have some guys. I know some current players, they would just love to live in L.A. and be able to afford Mm -hmm. L.A. John and I were talking off mic about how crazy the real estate is in L.A. and how unaffordable it is. But if you could afford it, like that's Mm -hmm. intriguing to some players. Sure, I'm not even a party guy, but if I had the chance to live in L.A. for four or five years, making five, six, seven million dollars, I'm not Mm -hmm. thinking about the taxes. I'm just going to quote unquote Mm -hmm. save everything else. So. Great question, but I just feel like it's the individual player. I don't know Laramie Tunsil, but from everything I've heard and read, he's a sharp business mind. He's negotiating his own deals. He Mm -hmm. doesn't have an agent. He's probably someone who's thinking about that. But then if you have a guy like uh, Odell Beckham, Mm -hmm. you know, someone who really wants to be in the spotlight, you know, he's probably going to put a New York, a L.A. over uh, the Houston Texans. Okay. We did end
2: up in Cleveland. But the, it didn't go so well yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah maybe he learned his lesson. <laughs> <laughs> he learned his lesson from there he's going to go to anywhere straight to LA after that so you could do a whole uh, show on him really
0: yeah. oh god yes we'll do shows on the schedule <laughs> all right shows shows we're going to do this off season. schedule shows cuz I, I i could talk about the schedule prime forever. time games we, how many primetime games oh did you see my article at houstontexans.com i predicted the primetime games
2: oh you know, I know who told said, me this who? I was on in Buffalo th- with Sal, my buddy Sal, oh, reporter, he, Sal Pacho He asked me about this. Said, yeah, I read with Mark wrote about primetime games. He's like, do you think that Texans Bills is going to be a primetime game? And I said, I think there's a good oh, chance. To be. Is that what I said?
0: I don't know what you said. I know what <laughs> I said. <laughs> I can't even remember what I said. No, I said three <laughs> plus a flex later on. Yeah. We'll get a flex and we're going to get Excellent. a Thursday. night. We're going to get all three. We're going to get a Thursday night, a Monday night, And a Sunday night, and I'm thinking Sunday night in Dallas. I know everybody predicts Thanksgiving. Guess what? Everybody who goes to Dallas every year predicts Thanksgiving because they kind of want Thanksgiving or something, right? Yeah. That would be awesome though to be up there for Thanksgiving, I gotta admit. Because we could fly back and still have turkey that night and celebrate a victory over those guys. So while we're at it, yeah, Sean put out a poll Mm -hmm. and
2: he put options. What would you rather have? Thanksgiving against dallas london against the vikings london against the jags and i can't remember there was a fourth one i can't remember that but if you had to take any of those three which one would you take nd first of all i hate london games okay I,
1: I, well that's I, easy so that's it, but, easy. but easy. i think texans cowboys on thanksgiving yeah I, huge, I gotta go
0: with that really i huge. i loved going to london we talked about this yeah. I didn't like the idea That's of it beforehand. Gruel- That's a grueling trip. It's, 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 it's a grueling really trip. a grinder. So That's I'd me. much rather. Let's go to Dallas and play the yeah, Cowboys yeah, yeah, yeah. on Thanksgiving. Before, All before right.
1: I sound like the ugly American, real quick, the reason I say that, I have a lot of it's family travel. from London. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of Nigerians end up going to London. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I asked them, like, oh, are y'all excited about the NFL games that come? And they're like, we don't know. Like, they <laughs> just kind of shrugged. No. Yeah. And I was like, you Even though you so played in the league. No. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Thanks a lot for being here, Andy. All right, that's it for the show. Tomorrow night, plenty to talk about. Draft Wednesdays get going, among other things. McLean on Thursday. Andre Johnson on the show this week. Let's rock. Have a great night. And don't forget, up next, it's Patrick. It's Sean. It's fun. Your evening entertainment awaits. Go Texans.